RadioInfluence.com. Welcome back to another edition of the Real Animals Podcast, always presented by my good friends at Contender Boats. Today, I am super excited to spend a little bit of time with one of our longtime friends here at Real Animals. Uh, He is co-founder of Captains for Clean Water. He is originally the owner and operator at Stillwater Charters. Uh, A lot of you will know him. He is uh, Captain Chris Whitman. Chris, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great, Mike. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's good. I appreciate you joining me again. You know, I I just thought it was time for you and I to get back on the podcast and, and spend a little time talking. I want to kind of dive into, you know, how this started. For for those listeners that don't know the Captains for Clean Water story, you know, how you and Daniel kind of kind of spearheaded this thing and got it launched. And as we, you know, once we get through that, we'll kind of talk about where we're at today. You guys have done so many great things. Uh, I know this thing started in 2016. So, you know, I mean, talk to me about what, why 2016? What happened in 2016 that, that stirred the pot for you and Daniel to kind of get this thing rolling with Captains for Clean Water? You know, great question. So um, born and raised in Southwest Florida, I grew up on Sanibel Island and in uh, the late 90s became a fishing guide and throughout my childhood and and throughout my career as a guide um, I experienced and was impacted by our water management and specifically uh, by the management of Lake Okeechobee and ultimately uh, the discharges to to our coast here Um, but Throughout you know my my childhood and throughout my career, um, up until sixteen, it was all I always looked at it as this was something that was detrimental. It was it was impacting our fisheries. It was impacting my way of life and my business, but it was a a problem that was just bigger than I could. I, I didn't see an outlet or a way for me to be impactful to change anything. And so it was kind of like dealing with the with the weather it was like something that i just figured out i have to just work around this as right. a guy and um in 2016 um it, it seemed like these these issues these discharges from the lake and the consequential issues whether it was seagrass lost and oyster bed loss um areas that i fished as a kid that no longer exist or are no longer productive um or whether it was you know the the worsening of red tide blooms or the blue green algae. Um, th- those things were getting worse and worse. In 2016, uh, we had these huge discharges that would typically happen in the middle to end of the wet season. We had them where the, the lake was, was high and we had them happening in, in the middle of our tourist season in, in January, February. And the result was, massive impact to my business as a fishing guide and massive impact to uh, the economy here in, in our tourism-based industries like hotels and restaurants. And and, and people lit, quite literally picked up and went home from their vacations um, because of, of the discharges. And so that was really the catalyst for Daniel and I and a number of other fishing guides to say, you know, we haven't been involved here, but something has to change. If we keep going down the current trajectory, um, certainly our way of lives are, are going to be affected and, and very 
uh, possibly the future of, you know, the guiding industry and the tourism and water-based industry is, is not going to be able to sustain the careers that we had built. And so we started looking for, uh, one, some answers. What was the problem? Um, was there a solution? And if so, what was the solution? And, and, and why wasn't it being fixed after all these years? Right. Well, I, I, and it, it sure seems to me like the, the, the voice that you guys found, uh, back in 2016 has, has made some, some serious noise. You guys have done a great job of bringing awareness to our issues. And, and I think it's important to note, you know, a lot of these issues were in Southwest Florida directly affecting you guys. And I think it's, it's nice to see that Captains for Clean Water has, because the whole state of Florida is having issues, that you guys have kind of broadened that stamp and started working on other areas and other issues. Um, and not that we've obviously, we haven't totally fixed the issue in Southwest Florida, but you know, I, I think it's awesome that you guys have taken a bigger step and in, in grown this thing to attack the whole state. Yeah, I think even outside of the state, one of the things that the movement of Captains for Clean Water um, it kind of exists outside of the organization is one of the things that has happened is the reason that I wasn't involved in fixing an issue that directly affected me was I didn't see a pathway to be effective. And part of that um, was a lack of understanding of that there was this solution in place. It was in law. It had been in, put in law since 2000. Um, part of it was, was the lack of understanding. If you don't understand something, you're not going to be very likely to engage on it or, or, or be vocal about it. And so one, and, and the other part was a doubt that can a single voice, what can I as a fishing guide with limited resources, limited time, um, how can I actually make a difference? And I think what this movement has shown is, that whether we're talking about Everglades restoration, like Captains for Clean Water's focus and why I initially, um, you know, started this, or whether we're talking about another issue, whether it's like Piney Point up in your neck of the woods, or, or whether we're talking about something in another part of the country, like the loss of, of marsh in Louisiana or, sure. you know, pollution of a lake. It, I think the model, what, the, what this has shown is that in fact, not only can individuals and people and stakeholders who are effective, affected by these problems, not only can they have an impact, but I think they're actually the missing link to, to solving the problem. And we have seen that now, even if it's not issues that captains has the capacity to weigh in on or work on, we are seeing other people, other sportsmen, other business owners around the country that are now weighing in on issues and getting involved in issues in their backyard that they weren't before because they just didn't think that it would be effective. And now they have seen the effort that the fishing industry, the marine industry, the fishing community and the fishing guides, they have seen that regular people like themselves in a, in a similar situation are being effective. And so they can be effective also. And they're, and they're 
taking it upon themselves to to weigh in and move the needle on on issues um, and not not looking for who can do this for me, but looking at it and saying, this is important to me. I need to do something about this. And, and I think people are seeing that as a, as a community and almost like a, a cultural change. Have you and have you and Daniel had a chance? I think, I think that you guys have had such an impact on this. I mean, now you're talking about, you're talking about changing views on waterways across the country because of what you guys started with captains. Have you guys had a chance at any point during this time? And I know you've been busy. I know you're grinding. I know that you're both super focused on the issues. Have you had a time to just sit somewhere, you know, maybe after a a steak dinner, a cold beer, sitting on a porch somewhere and look at one another and go, man, we've made a difference. Have you had any of those moments? Um, I think that, we there's been some instances where we have looked at been able to look and see that hey the the people have made a difference um you know we we just recently dealt with that senate bill that came out of florida senate bill 2508 and we saw the level that people engaged on that piece of legislation that would be harmful to all of the progress that has been made since we founded captains for clean water and the the level that people engaged on that, you're talking about, you know, 150,000 people that took action in, in a matter of days, um, you know, half a million people visiting our website, uh, people taking action from all across the country. If you saw the heat map of where these people that chimed in on this, I mean, everywhere from from Florida all the way up the eastern seaboard, all the way out west to the Midwest to California to Montana, I mean, it's it was incredible to see how many people weighed in on a piece of state legislation because it would affect a place that they see as an iconic fishery, a national park, the Everglades National Park, and in our fishery here in Florida. Um, there has been some time where it's like, wow, that would not have happened six years ago, 10 right. years ago. Yeah. Um, as far as like Daniel and I, sitting and reflecting on um, what's been, we know that we know we've accomplished a lot, but no, we haven't done that. And I think part of that is just that our job's not done. Um, We, our focus is to mash the gas. You know, I would say that we know that we're we're no longer, um, we're we're no longer, you know, kind of guessing of, can we be effective? We now know that we are effective and we have a model that works and that people are through education are getting more involved and, and people understand these issues like they have never before. And, and they're engaging on these issues like they never have before. Um, so I wouldn't say that we've sat back. I mean, we're, we're proud. We're very proud of the team that we have built. When we started, it was, it was Daniel and I, and right. now we have 16 employees that are, they don't see this as a job. They show up every single day to the office fueled by passion. Um, they care about the water. They see this as um, something that is, is much bigger than just a job and a punch in a time clock. And so we're really proud of that team. And we're really uh, even more so we're proud of just the people in the, in the, the fishing industry and in the community and brands. I mean, we, we've got brands that, you know, like Yeti from, you know, from Texas who, 
who is super, super involved in this. You know, you've got apparel brands. We've got the industry literally has gone from not really being engaged on this at all. And I say that, you know, even of, of myself to a 180 to, to like the, you know, leading the spear on, on this issue. And, and I, what we're most, I guess, proud of or, or optimistic for is seeing the, uh, seeing that other people with not only within this effort of Everglades restoration and Florida's water quality, but seeing the inspiration and in other people taking up uh, issues that are important, important to them. And, and I think that that's ultimately where we're going to fix issues, whether it's in Florida, whether it's around the country or whether it's around the planet. Um, it, if people can be inspired and know that they do as individuals have the power to create change, um, that's, how, that's how we will fix many of these problems. Motivating people to get involved, to me, seems to be the big hurdle. And that's the thing I think you guys have done a great job of. And I, and, and I know that that job's not done. I know we need more involvement. Um, I preach it all the time on the radio shows and whenever I'm at seminars or whatever, I'm out in the public doing anything and there's people around, I'm constantly barking to get involved on the conservation side of our fisheries. There's so many things going yeah. on in our fisheries, um, you know, all over the country, like you said, and, you know, obviously Florida is near and dear to my heart, but it, it, it's, it's all over the country and we need everybody involved and in paying attention to all these things. So, so in your opinion, where are we today versus 2016? Where is, where is our, our clean water at today? I mean, we're, you know, the Tampa Bay fishery is just beaten and battered. That disaster that happened last year killed so much seagrass. Um, yep. I see it every day. So it's very frustrating, but from a big picture standpoint, I mean, where is it that, that you guys see us standing today? So if you look at, um, just the climate of, of, of our industry or the climate of our communities, as it pertained to water issues and water quality issues uh, seven years ago. It, when, when, water, when negative water issues would happen, in, in my case, you know, damaging discharges from Lake Okeechobee or the jib stack uh, rupture of Piney Point or the sewage infrastructure, um, you know, dumps in St. Pete. In the past, if you went back seven, eight years, when those things happened, the go-to mindset or thought process of the people affected and of those communities and of those business owners was, this is terrible, this is bad, but don't bring too much attention to this because it will hurt business. And it was a concern that, look, here's this problem, but if we bring attention to this problem, it's going to hurt our business. People are not going to want to come here because there's this problem happening. And I think that mindset is completely different today. Um, people realize that if that's the way we're going to approach things, we're never going to get these issues fixed. And if we don't get them fixed, they're going to get worse and worse and worse. Things like Piney Point Gypsex, a ticking time bomb. So today, when things happen, what you see is an outpouring of attention brought to these issues, which creates the political pressure for policymakers to actually do something. 
and actually fix something. And a lot of times these are big, big problems. They're not going to get fixed overnight, Mm -hmm. but where we used to see maybe a spike or a spark of attention in a moment of crisis, right? 2016, you go back 2013, we had a very similar uh, instance with discharges, almost identical. You, you might see a little spark. You'd see a couple, couple news stories run about it, a little bit of attention, and it would quickly fade off. Where now you see attention brought to this, and that wave is sustained. So policymakers who might see some of these issues as being politically challenging to tackle, um, that whether they, you know, whether they have to go up against a special interest like the phosphate industry in, in, in the case of Tampa, or whether it's in our case, you know, the sugar industry with, with lake levels and lake management. Um, in the past, if people, if there was just a little spark, they could just sit quiet for a little bit, knowing that that attention would very quickly subside. Today, people realize that we are going to bring a ton of attention. And by we, I mean just the citizens, the people. And by doing so, they're not going to go away. They're not going to get complacent. And so policymakers are pushed into a point where, look, they have to deal with things that they, that they don't want to deal with. And they, you know, and I, and I think we're seeing that we are seeing progress when, when we started uh, Everglades restoration was put into effect in the year 2000. And it was thought that it was going to be a 30 year time frame to complete those projects, 68 infrastructure projects. And in the, 2016, more than halfway through, not a single one of those projects had been completed. There was very little consistent progress being made and very inconsistent funding um, coming out of both Tallahassee and Washington, D.C. to to advance those those solutions. Today, just, you know, whatever, six, seven years later, um, what we're seeing is completely opposite. We are seeing dozens of those projects now under construction, um, completed or nearing completion. And we are seeing record funding um, year after year now for these solutions, both from the state and the federal government. And we have seen it now under the leadership of Governor DeSantis at the state level. And then we have also seen it um, at the federal level, both under President Trump and under the Biden administration. So the fact that the public pressure and public awareness on Everglades restoration and these water quality issues, it is proving to be effective because where we did not have this consistent funding, we are now seeing record funding out of you know both parties in D.C. and, uh, and at the state level. And, and I think in a time in our country where everything is super divided. Um, Water quality and Everglades restoration is one of the very few things that we see in Washington, D.C. that gets support from both sides of the aisle. And I I think that that says a lot in the current political climate. I've said for years that it's pretty clear that the, 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 the government doesn't want us armed they, you know, the government would be thrilled if they could take your guns. And the reason that they never get to do that is because there's 6 million members of the NRA. And 
countless, obviously millions and millions more of gun owners who are not members of the NRA. But because there's so many members of the NRA, there's a way for them to immediately see that this is 6 million votes that they lose automatically. So the louder our voice can be in situations like this, Captains for Clean Water, other conservation groups, the louder our voice can be, the more members, the more voices you have, the better the politicians understand how much this is going to affect their livelihood and their place. Um, and I think that's so important. And I think you guys have done a great job getting the word out and, and, and doing uh, just that, you know, kind of attacking this thing head on and, and, uh, and, and trying to make a difference. So, you know, I'm a huge fan of what you guys do for sure. Now, what, what can people do to help that maybe aren't involved or, uh, or maybe are involved, maybe they're a member, maybe they, you know, they pay their dues, but what can, is there, is there more steps people can do to get involved further to help make more of a difference to ramp this up? Sure. Absolutely. And that, that's a great question. So I'd answer it kind of in two parts. One, if somebody is listening to this and, and they're not involved at all, they're not familiar with these issues or um, maybe they're somewhat familiar with it, but haven't, haven't taken a step to get involved. I would say that the easiest step there is, is, is to visit our website, captainsforcleanwater.org, and, and just look around. The reason Daniel and I got involved was because we started to learn about the solutions and learn about these problems and learn about the solutions and then figure out how we could plug our voices in or our effort into matter. So that's something that's very easy. There is a tremendous amount of resources on our website, whether it's video, whether it's written blog content. I mean, there's a lot of educational information on everything from the big picture of Everglades restoration and Captains for Clean Water to specifics like Senate Bill 2508 or Lake Okeechobee System Operating Manual. There's a lot that you can learn. And the reason I say that's the first step is in order to engage on something, you have to know about it. And if you know about it, you'll engage on it. And so the first step is to learn. Now, maybe you already are familiar and you're, you, you've got your toes wet, you're minorly involved. I think the big thing there is looking and everybody's experience might be different, but looking at why did you get involved? Why did you pay attention? Why did you become a member of captains for clean water or sign up for our newsletter or maybe sign a, uh, you know, a petition or, or take a stand, participate in a call to action and try to get others to do the same because recognizing that the effectiveness of, the movement for clean water and for our fisheries, for our wild places for that matter, um, the effectiveness of that comes from the individuals. This is, is the definition of grassroots movement. You know, we are not effective because we have armies of lobbyists throwing around, you know, tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars in Tallahassee or Washington, D.C. Um, you know, captains for clean water, we don't have a single lobbyist. Uh, but what we do is we empower people to learn about the problem and then go lobby on their own behalf and make their voice heard. And we saw that happen uh, this past February with that Senate Bill 2508, where fishing guides and business owners stopped what they were doing, traveled from around the state as far away as Key West, all the way to Tallahassee throughout the night to testify to a Senate Appropriations Committee in opposition of a bill that that would have been bad for water and they did that and they did that because they 
understood the what was at stake if that bill was to pass, and they did it because they understood the impact and value that their individual voices had. What I will say is these issues consistently, each with each battle that comes in a, in a fight like this, they get harder. They don't. They get bigger. They don't get easier. And so, um, it is really critical that this movement grows and continues to grow and continues to scale in order to continue to continue to be as effective as we have been. And so, something that is is very easy is is simply getting other people to get involved. You're doing it right here with your podcast. You're using a a platform that you have to get other people involved. You do it with your radio show. You do it with clients that individually step on your boat and you educate them on these things and you encourage them to get involved. And I think that's something that everybody can do, um, whatever the capacity is, whether it's an individual or whether it's a brand, um, whether it's a company that is affected by water, they can, they can educate their customers. They can educate their employees, their peers, their competition, um, and encourage others to to get involved. And that's really that's really the, the key thing. This is we don't look at this as Captains for Clean Water, an organization that is, you know, solely paving the way and fixing these issues. We look at this as Captains for Clean Water is a piece of a grassroots movement of people that are educating. You 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 have a good analogy there with you know, the government doesn't want us to be armed. And in this case, the government, you know, for a long time, and special interests that have controlled the government don't want us to be armed. And what I mean is armed in the way of knowledge. Right. If people do not know about this, they won't engage. And special interests can go up there with their checkbooks and with their lobbyists to D.C. and Tallahassee, and they can get their way. But if the public is armed with knowledge and does understand these things, they're going to get involved. And then that special interest, you know, influence is not as impactful. It's not as powerful. And so um, I would say that the biggest thing that, that we all do is, is to arm ourselves with the knowledge and understanding and then take that knowledge and understanding and, and use it uh, for good. And, and I think that's the biggest thing that we can encourage people to do is, is to get more people involved. If, if you know, Senate Bill 2508 earlier this year had, you know, 150,000 plus people take action in a few days, the next, the next battle uh, like that, we may need a half a million people to take action in right. a few days, or a million or two million. And so it's just what we can all do is, is it's the definition of grassroots movement is to grow that movement. And, and each and every one of us can do that through our, spheres of influence and our, our connections and our networks. One more, one more question here for you, really. Have we had any, has there been a bunch of support from the, you know, tourism industry per se here in the state of Florida? Because I would think, you know, it's obvious that, you know, those of us who fish are impacted, but we're impacted through the tourism side of it. And I know um, I was going to ask you about Governor DeSantis to see exactly what kind of job you thought he was doing, but obviously, I know the answer to that question. Has that has his his support of it helped drive any love coming from 
the the Florida Tourism Bureau and all that? Has has that group come behind you guys and and kind of become part of this movement? I think that the the tourism industry as a whole is realizing just how critical water quality issues are to the tourism-based economy. Obviously, the governor has realized that since, you know, the day he took office. Um, of course, the the impact that the governor's actions will, will have, especially bold actions that we've seen happen, um, those are going to, to sway involvement. But I've got a good example of, you know, the, the Chamber of Commerce, which represents businesses, uh, Chamber of Commerce for Sanibel and Captiva Island, where I, where I live, I grew up. Um, that chamber represents businesses that are pretty much, I would say, almost 100% tourism-based or influenced. And in, you know, when we went and started Captains, that organization was very – there was a time where we were actually going – head-to-head with op-eds and local media against each other. We're saying, here's this problem. They're saying, life is great on Sanibel, you know, and, and don't bring attention to this problem. Today, that, uh, that group, that organization, the Sanibel Captiva Chamber, has actually, they actually completely restructured their uh, mission and put as their number one priority into perpetuity uh, water quality and advocating to fixing these issues. And now they are a champion for this. And I think that shift that happened at that organization, we're seeing that happen around the state. Um, but that shift was really a result of their customers, the business community, um, people like myself, people like you, people like South Seas. I know you come down and, and stay there and fish with Ozzy. Um, those businesses chiming in and saying, wait a minute, we need to do something about this and we need to use our collective voice because something that is, is critical there is, is you have policymakers and they understand a language of economics, job growth, revenue, and they look at everything through that lens where you and I might look at it as, you know, the experiential value of tarpon, catching a tarpon or snook or grass flats or, you know, that you don't want to see a, a dead, you know, sea turtle floating or massive fish kills. But that's that's very hard for some of these policymakers who have never set foot and are not invested in these fisheries the way we are to quantify that. Why do we spend hundreds of millions of dollars on Everglades restoration to fix these problems? where if the tourism industry and the business community can come in and, and make an ecological issue an economic conversation, then you're speaking a language that they understand. And that is what we have seen. You know, it, in, in 2018, when we had that just absolute catastrophic you know, collapse here in southwest Florida because of those discharges, the Sanibel Captiva Chamber did a survey study. Uh, to businesses just on Sanibel Captiva Island. You know the islands, they're small. Um, about Only about 40%, I think, of the business community actually participated. And just that 40% from basically July through August, end of June through August, 
lost over $180 million in just those couple of months. And, and that wasn't even the, a whole a whole picture of that. So you're you're literally talking about probably you know close to half a billion dollars of economic impact from one water event in over just a, a few months period of time. And so if you take that and and you look at that around the state of Florida, I know right now there's a big algae bloom in Florida Bay. Um, the conditions there were getting hypersaline earlier this summer and and there's a, a big algae bloom there that i know is starting to affect the the guide community down in the keys and so it's very obvious that now um the economic impact that water quality has cannot be denied it's the number one driver um that that can cripple our economy that we actually have control over you know we can't control hurricanes or national disasters or pandemics but we can control a lot of our water quality issues and a lot of our water quality issues are man-made. And so that is something that as long as the public continues to be vocal and become more vocal, uh, the pressure will continue to be held on policymakers to do something about it. And the, and the proof is in the pudding. It's, it, this is an economic issue. And if they care about the, the economy of Florida or the economy around the country that Florida helps to drive, uh, then they need to do something about it. Well, I certainly know that uh, from from me and uh, most, if not all, of Real Animals Nation, we certainly appreciate all that you and Daniel have done to 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 bring more light to this horrible subject that I wish we didn't have to discuss all the time. But uh, I certainly appreciate your time today. Captainsforcleanwater.org is the website. Again, like Chris said, get on the website, learn about it. Uh, I highly recommend you join the fight. I know how hard it is for some people to get to, you know, some of these movements to make it on a short notice to Tallahassee and do those things that, uh, that need to be done. Um, but if you can't do it, and, and I missed the trip to Tallahassee because when it all went down, I was crazy busy. Um, but become a member. Be part of what they're doing there at Captains for Clean Water and and help us make a difference. Chris, keep up the good work, brother. You know I'll see you around here, and I'm always looking forward to it. Thank you for your time today. Thanks, my friend. Appreciate it. All right, brother. Be good. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I certainly hope you enjoyed that podcast as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you. Captain Chris Whitman, Captains for Clean Water. They do so many great things, just a special, special cat. So uh, hopefully you got something out of that. Again, it's captainsforcleanwater.org is the website. You should definitely check them out and join, become part of the fight over there. The Real Animals Podcasts are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, ritampabay.com, and Spotify. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review. We're going to try to drop some new episodes here on Tuesdays. So uh, be checking those out. Real Animals Podcast is presented by our good friends at Contender Boats. Thanks for listening.